0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio.
1: It's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we move ever closer to uh, fall and through this great month of uh, September when we have uh, On Fire going on shortly and also uh, Catholic Ministry Days uh, toward the end of the month, so a lot a lot happening, and then, of course, we move into October, uh, which is uh, uh, Life Month uh, throughout, the, throughout the country, throughout the world, and certainly here in the Diocese of Sacramento. So more on all of that uh, later do- down the line. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, and today we're glad to welcome in Thomas Jacobi, an editor with Ignatius Press. Uh, Thomas, good day. Good to have you with us.
0: Bob, very happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: It's uh, uh, where are you located? In San Francisco. San
0: Francisco, yeah, the great controversial city of San Francisco.
1: <laughs> the the city named after Saint Francis. Exactly. You know, I really that's the city of San all, all we that's all we need to know. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm worried someday, uh, you know, the quote unquote separation of church and state. They're going to have to rename about ninety percent of the cities in California. <laughs> yeah, they'll name uh, they'll name San
0: San Francisco
1: Mr. Frank or something. Mr. Frank, yeah. Los. Yeah. Los Angeles. Uh, let's see. That'll have to be. I'm not sure what that'll be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the ghost, the ghost, or something. They don't believe in No, it's 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 great. Yeah, we didn't name it after a saint. We named it after the angels. <laughs> we fooled them. <laughs> and, and of course, we've got the the Los Angeles Angels, the baseball team, <laughs> with their halo. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. No one had a problem with that. No, and and in fact, sometimes you know the sports writers down there refer to them as the halos. You know. Yeah, so, in fact, yeah, in fact, yeah, it's Orleans, great stuff. We, it's, in
0: New Orleans, we it, have the New Orleans Saints. The, the, the
1: Saints, That's yeah. Great. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, I call it stealth Catholicism. We're Amen. <laughs> and of course, you're talking to someone who is right now sitting in Sacramento, which is named after the Blessed Sacrament. That's it. I remember, uh, in about, uh, oh, fifth grade or so, uh, going to a public school, and I'm, you know, uh, We'll never knock the public schools. They're doing what they they can, you know, and, and more power to them. A lot, awful lot of Catholics in public schools, but um, regardless, I that we didn't have a Catholic school in my small town, and and I, so we were just studying California history. And I asked the teacher, I said, "So what what well, what's Sacramento named after?" And because people would call it Sacra Tomato because we grow so many tomatoes around here. And I think Herb Cain kind of started that, and and she looked at me and her face turned a little white, <laughs> and she says, "I'll get back to you on that," <laughs> and, and, and later, and, and I I already knew the answer. I was being kind of a smart aleck, and and uh, and she called me up to at the end of class about three days later, and she said. I got an answer to your question and she was very very pleased with herself and i said oh so what is it and she says it's named after the sacramento river <laughs> wow <laughs> oh good for her you know <laughs> Yep. <Gosh. Definitely> <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> so um tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at ignatius press you must have done something good in your childhood Something very bad. Yeah. yeah, that's it. From the uh, Sound of Music, that song. I must have done something good.
0: So he, uh, I, I grew up. Uh, yeah, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh wow! Uh, the great Louisiana State, Louisiana Louisiana State University, English major. So and,
1: we will uh, not talk about the recent football game against Florida State. <laughs> no,
0: of course we will not. And I. Uh, so yeah, I'm. Uh, I grew up. I grew up in Louisiana. I was. Um, I'm a. i ai lost my faith when I was in high school, completely, and uh, but. Uh, I was always searching, especially when I was in college, and by the end of college, I had come fully back to the church and was pretty pretty zealous and uh, just looking for meaning and looking for it.
1: Wow. Prayer. Did you find well, a Newman Center, or what happened?
0: It, it actually was after, I had, right after I graduated. You know, mm-hmm. It was through Protestants, actually, that I'm sort of re-evangelized and uh, became interested in Jesus, and then it, gradually I just sort of, I had a lot of Catholic friends. So yeah. Louisiana is very, very Catholic, so it's really hard to avoid right. Uh, right. Catholics. And, uh, yeah, the deeper I got into my faith, I was working for a secular publishing in the secular publishing world in the world, Tulane University,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, for the, law,
0: for the law reviews there. And oh, so that's a, a
1: great law school at Tulane, it is, yeah,
0: and uh, really happy members there. And but I, we were, um, I was getting very into my faith, and I was reading books by Ignatius Press left and right, and I just I love them. i obviously, I love the content, uh, it was very. Very deep and like very kind of poetic at the same time. But it mm-hmm. was. Uh, but also even the books themselves, just like the paper and like the font they use, the smell of the books. Like hey, this is
1: great.
0: Wow. So I, my dream was to work for Ignatius Press, but there was no. I mean, there was no way of making that happen for years. And then uh, I think like five years later, I happened to be studying in Italy, and I just coincidentally happened to meet the uh, one of the directors of Ignatius Press, and they happened to be looking for somebody with my qualifications, yeah, kind of my background in
1: publishing, you know. It was perfect wow. timing. And then the rest is history. It's been about five years I've been here. So I thought you were going to say you got on a, a bus in Paris or something and there was Father Fessio sitting next to you.
0: I mean, you know, that's actually not far from what happened. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Father Fessio. It was Roxanne who's uh, the art director. And, uh-huh. uh, we went on a pilgrimage together, yeah, to, uh, to Assisi, actually. So for like. St. Francis, saving the day again.
1: There it and, is. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love, um, it's kind of a dream come true to Board of Nations Press.
1: So you, you moved from New Orleans to San Francisco?
0: Yeah, I was in New Orleans, and then uh, I spent some time in Dallas.
1: Uh-huh. I spent
0: some time, and uh, then I spent a couple of years in Rome, and then I moved to,
1: straight from Rome to San Francisco. Wow, wow. So what did you do in Rome?
0: In Rome, I kind of, st- I studied, I studied uh, pretty much, I studied translation. Mm-hmm. translation in Italian literature, and I studied that. Uh, so I studied Italian, and I actually studied German of all things. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think you'd go to German to Rome to study German, but that's I am not
1: doing that. And, did uh, did uh, Rats, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger have something to do with that?
0: You know, uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, that was part of my motivation, for sure. Ratzinger and a lot of his theologians have influenced him. Mm-hmm. From. Yeah. I was getting really into theology. But uh, Rome was I mean, absolutely magnificent experiences. One of the first people I met there just said, while you're here, take advantage of the saints. You know, like, pray to all the saints you can, cause this is the city of the saints. Wow. And, yeah, that's great advice. Wow. Before Rome, I couldn't have given, uh, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't have cared less about the saints, basically. You know, I didn't understand why we prayed to them or anything. But suddenly in Rome, I understood. You know, these are like our, these are our, these are our friends. They're literally, it's like, they're part of our everyday lives. They're mm-hmm. entering, they're, they're mm-hmm. there right next to us. That was uh, one of the great blessings of Rome.
1: So, what, what do you have a favorite saint?
0: Wow, uh, uh, you know, I think honestly, Saint Francis of Assisi is my—I mean, I think he's been my—he's been one of my guiding lights for sure. Uh, I really like in Rome, Saint Philip Neri was a mm-hmm. like, big presence over the city. I love Saint Philip Neri, and so is Saint Ignatius
1: And uh I think the I think the polls will show that Saint Francis is if he's not number one he's right. I mean, oh, if yeah. you leave out Joseph and Mary, yeah, um, exactly. Which people sort of tend to do, you know. They they I'm well, I'm talking about a different kind of Saint. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not talking about the Mother of God. Of God. Right, well, that's you, obvious. You know, that, those are obvious ones. And uh, I, I mean, I remember I remember as a kid um, wondering. There was the college right near you, St. Mary's. You know, like who who's that named after? You, you know, like, and well, it could, could be a different Mary. I have a sister Mary. Every, I think the firstborn in every uh, woman and every ca- girl in every Catholic family is named Mary. Um, right. and, and but but it's like I when when uh, when I ask you who's your fa- you know what's your favorite saint, I'm thinking about like the so the Saint Francis's, the Saint Anthony's, the you know. Uh, it's almost like a cop
0: out to say. Yeah, it will marry. Yeah, of oh, course. On. Yeah, and, You uh, win. And All right, fine. Here
1: in the Diocese of Sacramento, I think we have 12 parishes named St. Joseph. That's great. Uh, it, it, I think it's a Guinness record. It's, 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 yeah, and
0: he's like every, you know, you meet somebody from a, from any city, they're like, he's actually the patron saint
1: of our city. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, wow. yeah, right, right. And, and don't the, 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 there's something, so the realtors say that they bury a statue of St. Joseph in, in front right. of the house or something, I can't remember. Say it works, yeah. If it works, <laughs> oh well. Well, we're here. Uh, tell us uh, about your duties at, at uh, Ignatius Press.
0: I'm a I'm a I'm in the editorial department, and that usually, you know, Catholic organizations tend to people tend to wear a lot of different hats, yeah, uh, including sombreros uh, yeah. at Catholic organizations. And so, I do as an editor. Part of what I do is. I help with acquisitions, so I review manuscripts to see what we're got, what it is we're going, we're actually going to publish, what we're going to reject, uh, and I kind of try to solicit manuscripts from promising authors too, as part of what I do. Um, I, because of, I had some background in foreign languages, a lot of that consists in reading books in foreign languages and deciding whether or not they're worth translating. You now, takes a lot of time and money to translate a book, um, so that's part of what I do. And then uh, I also just kind of manage. I manage. You know, book projects, almost about a third of the books we publish, maybe a quarter, uh, come through me, and I'll do. Um, sometimes I'll edit them very heavily, kind of, if they're sort of, often if it's uh, if it's kind of like a first-time writer doesn't really know how to write a book, I'll kind of help them structure the book, and then I'll get it all cleaned up and get it typeset, you know, make it look like a book. And it's part of what I do. And then, uh, I, then I just, I also take out
1: the trash. Uh, that's probably the most important. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And I help Gee. people restart their computers. And do you do the DoorDash at lunchtime? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes. I, do, yeah. I make gumbo sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Gumbo, jambalaya. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. So so what's the toughest part of your job? What is there is there the, the one part that's kind of like going to the dentist or not? Is it all joy?
0: Hm. Yeah, it's uh boy, it's it's a great question. I think that um it's mostly joy. It's mostly joy. Probably the toughest part is um you know i I actually love reading manuscripts that's the that's the highlight mm-hmm. I love reading books I love when I have time to read the books but the downside actually the toughest part is when I have to just kind of um i have to just sort of skim through things and not read them
1: fully you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. that, that's that to me that's the that's the downside is
0: i don't get i don't get to give books to the books that I work on after I kind of given them an, an initial read sometimes I don't get to read them as fully as uh as I would like and uh so that's one downside. And then um, – but I, I would say it's, it's very, very – it's a very joyous work. You know, I feel like I'm doing genuine good in the world. I'm being sort of mm-hmm. catechized and edified all the time and constantly learning new things and then forgetting them <laughs> and then learning them again. Are,
1: so. are, are you at all in a role of approving or disapproving of a manuscript?
0: Yes. So I'm, at least we have a team of about eight people who, uh, who decide on um, – who do um, – who vote on manuscripts? And if it gets three no's, it's uh, it's done for. And If it gets three yeses, it's uh, it's a go. Mm-hmm. Yep. That
1: that uh, that part I would think would be would be very difficult.
0: It can be tough, yeah, especially when you get something that's um, really maybe extremely interesting, um, or maybe you can see how it would benefit certain people, but it's just not. Um, maybe it's just not very well written.
1: Uh You know, or it's just
0: not doesn't work as a book, or something like that. that, Sometimes you have to say no to things that are very, very good. You know, just doesn't work.
1: Does does marketability play into it?
0: We try to marketability plays it can only play into it minimally. Uh Um, We we try to ignore marketability as much as we can. But one rule that we have is that um, we don't publish. um, We try to be we try to be a press that's for. Uh, that's not for academics, uh-huh. academics, you know, uh-huh. but it's for kind of your ordinary layman in the pew. Um, you know, and maybe like, you know, maybe a high school or college educated layman, you know, but, um, you know, uh, books that are too heavy and like too academically too heavy on lingo and uh, too much like a dissertation,
1: like right, a dissertation, right. we, we
0: avoid those books because they're not really accessible to uh, the common, mm-hmm.
1: to guys like me. <laughs> and me, yeah. Yeah, I would think that that uh, I'm glad to hear that about marketability because, uh, in other words, uh, we think this is really good stuff, and we're going to publish it, and we hope people read it. But that's not why we're publishing it. We're not hope you know. That you don't have to have guaranteed sales to to get it out. That's to, right. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: if you, were, I mean, it's a very. I'm glad you asked that question. It's uh, it's something that I've I've uh, I didn't think about at all before I worked for Ignatius Press um the, the marketability question but we actually do um because we are a we are a, a business you know we're a, sure. we're independent we're not we're not we're not we don't have a foundation we're not funded um we kind of have to make our own money we get some donations but not very many uh we do have to be prudent about what we publish and we have to um sometimes there's a cert- there's a certain class of books we call mission books mm-hmm. and kind of like going to publish this no matter what.
1: It right, sells. right.
0: We just have to do this for the good of the church. It's just—it's our mission. Um, but you can only do so many of those in a year, you know, because of just because of fun. It costs a lot of money to, right. uh, to make a book, and um, you ha- so you have to be prudent about what you do. And but we never publish a book just because it's going to sell. That's that's a very strict rule. Mm-hmm. We never we never publish something just because it's going to sell. It always has to be something that we can stand behind 100. percent
1: and uh, do do you, you get a lot of submissions uh, unsolicited?
0: Yeah, yeah, we get we get them pretty much every day. Uh-huh. Uh, they get them. The rule is that they have to be submitted to us um, physically, like a physical hard copy needs to be uh-huh. mailed to us at our at our office. We actually we actually are in an old firehouse, a nineteenth century firehouse mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Uh, so they have to get mailed to the firehouse, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. And then we review them from there. And I would say, about honestly, about 90% of them get be rejected um, mm-hmm. right off the bat. Because uh-huh. they're just we can just kind of tell within a few pages this isn't going to work
1: as a book. You know, for sure. sure. Yep. Wow. Are there times that you're surprised how well something sold? Yes. Yes. Or how uh, poorly it sold, I guess, on the flip side? Yeah,
0: both. Both. I mean, some of the books that I've been the most excited about and adamant. You know, I, I remember giving them like a 10 out of 10, like giving two books in particular, like a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 rating, you know, on in our, in our ratings sheet. I mean, just so, just like talking, people ask, what's your favorite book of the season? I was like, oh, it's absolutely, you know, How I Became a Man or something like that. I was just, I was just so excited. I, I wouldn't show up about it. And then maybe the book will sell. You know, we print 3,000 copies, maybe, maybe 200, 300 sell or something like that. You know, it's going to yeah.
1: oh, be amazing. Well, yeah, 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 that's that. You know, I, I write a uh, a daily newspaper column, and uh, I'll tell you, sometimes you you know you think you've you've written a column that just solved all the problems of the world, or was just drop dead funny, or something, yep. and maybe you get one email, and then you write a column about your PG and E bill, and you get a hundred emails. Yeah, you know, and you go <laughs> wait a minute, that was just yep. I, I faked that one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Comedians I was, ha- I was that having that a bad day.
0: A <laughs> Comedians talk about the phenomenon about getting on stage, you know, and they, they have a joke they're so excited about. They've been thinking about it for weeks, and they, they deliver it, it's not only just crickets,
1: yeah, not a laugh. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but then, yeah, then, like, some, some joke they just toss off in the moment. You know, just
1: and everybody absolute, loves it, yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you Try telling a joke on the radio. Wow. Yeah, yeah. silence. <laughs> that's pressure. <laughs> yeah, that's pressure. Well, they didn't laugh at that one. Now, what do I do? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, so this book that I have in my hand, the dazzling light of God. Yes. Um, I don't know why I didn't find it until you guys sent it and suggested that this might make a good topic for our radio show. Oh my goodness! Uh, there's there's so many treasures in it. Absolutely.
0: You know, this is actually uh, this is one of those books that I was. Uh, this is kind of my book of the year. You know, I was I was mm-hmm. deeply excited about it. And it's been it's been a long time coming. It's been about two years in the making. We had a a friend of mine is uh, close with Nouvelle Cité in France. You know, they're 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 French publishers, you know. And um, my friend has a close relationship with them and so kind of Brokered the deal, so to speak, and uh, I was so thrilled. I read own Dougall many years ago, and uh, I just read one little essay by her, and that, that little essay changed the way that I saw the world. Wow! And uh, I'm glad that you. I'm I'm really glad it resonates with you too. I think it's an absolute treasure.
1: Yeah, it's it's um, the oh yeah. I got all these hold hold on here. I got all these bookmarks in here. Um, the the one that just right off the bat and i think it's i think it's on the the jacket too um yeah here it is um she's talking about you know being being happy and seeing god wherever you are Uh, god can never abandon the world he loves we the ordinary people of the streets believe with all our might that this street that this world where god has placed us is for us the site of our holiness Kind yeah. of a, a, a much uh, more spiritual bloom where you are planted, um, which my dad used to say all the time. Like, <clears throat> don't 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 worry so much about the future. Just worry about today. Today, you. I, I mean, I I uh, remember growing up had a lot of jobs in the fields picking tomatoes, things like that. And he said, you just be the best guy picking tomatoes today, you know. And tomorrow will take care of itself. Bloom where you are planted. And it sounds like that's what she's saying, but in a much more spiritual way and in a much, much more, this is where God put you. You know, I've said that to people as I get older, you know, my kids will say, well, how does it feel to be 900 years old? You know, and you go, well, I was born on the day God wanted me to be born and I am not in a position to second guess God's timing. You know, so I'm the age I'm supposed to be and that's all I need to know.
0: Yes, Uh, you know, and that's, actually, that's Catholic social teaching
1: mm-hmm. right? the catholics the,
0: the, the principle of it's connected to the principle of subsidiarity, I right. call it, which means again prioritizing the local, you know over mm-hmm. like local the, you know, the local level um, or, right. or or like even the family level, that's right. even more local, you know the level of friendship uh, and of, of of personal bond rather than the level of like you know, a national state or national government or some kind right. of, you know, some sort right. of pan, pan-national pan organization, just the local level, you know, and that's because the real, uh, you know, the 20th century philosophy, 20th century philosophy, we kind of lost touch with the real. And also with especially my generation, um, now I'm a millennial, and we we live on our screens. We kind yeah. of, we live, We <laughs> so much of what we experience is not what's actually, not, what's actually before our eyes you know we're, we're imagining ourselves you know we're watching some video about something that's happening in New York you know but we're actually in. you know we're actually in the middle of Kansas
1: mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm.
0: you know we live somewhere else we're not living in reality so much of the time but Catholic social teaching Made La very I think would love your dad saying bloom where your plans are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about your God God himself he's the author of reality he's put you where you are right now and he's the author of the present moment, and you need to love, you need to live, and you need to love. Um, you need to, and you also need to have faith, and you need, you need to hope in this present moment, not just in some imagined future, you know. And, uh, well, she's actually, she. her whole life was really about, partly about this principle. Um, so she was, I can give you a little bio of her if you'd like. Uh, um, but uh, she was, so she was born in 1904, I believe, right. very early 20th century, very beginning. She was a teenager during World War One. Grew up kind of nominally Catholic, so she was born in, uh, outside Paris in France. Um, and she moved to the city when she was about, I think she was like, when she was a pretty little girl, seven or eight. Uh, grew up in a kind of nominally Catholic family, but they drifted away from the church. Her dad was... Um, I think had somewhat communist leanings. He was definitely very, he was very socialist. He was sort of a free thinker and a very educated man, very brilliant, gave Madeline a great literary education, but uh, no catechism. So she, by the time she was uh, a teenager, she was kind of pretty militant atheist, actually, and uh, they were no longer going to mass or anything. Um, And, uh, but she was always seeking the truth. And by the time she was, uh, she was in her 20s, um, she sort of, the emptiness of this uh, of this, of atheism you know, it's like either bas- atheism basically tells me that there's, that there's nothing, like without God basically not even love exists not even friendship exists and she winds up having through a series of uh, kind of coincidences, circumstances she winds up having this major reversion to the faith um, to the Catholic faith and in that um, she senses a vocation uh, very quickly, but specifically, first she thinks about becoming a Carmelite, but then she senses uh, God wants me actually to stay here in the world, in France. Mm-hmm. And she also had a great love of the poor. She sensed that was part of what drew her to the church was the, the love of the poor, the love of. Um, and but like Mother Teresa, she knew that the poorest of the poor were actually not the economically poor, but the spiritually poor, the ones who had rejected, not only maybe had not heard of God. But, Maybe he'd even rejected him. So she winds up moving to uh, her vocation. She senses, and this is where she spends the rest of her life, is to go to a city called Ivray outside Paris, which is a communist stronghold, mm-hmm. totally communist-run town. You know, and communism equals atheism by default. I mean, that's the you know that's part of their their their, their doctrine. And she decides, I'm going to spend my life um, bringing the gospel to these people who have who explicitly have rejected God. Um, and I'm going to do it in a way that they, by showing them that Christians are good, that the gospel is a good thing. So not mm-hmm. by just giving them the old dogmas and doctrines, not, not, not that they're talking to them about the cross, they will eventually, hopefully, will be at one to hear that, but just by showing them love, showing them the fruits of the gospel in mm-hmm. everyday life, you know? And that was, uh, she was all about staying, staying close to home, so to speak. And helping, helping your your neighbor is is uh, your neighbor sure is is um, some starving like a starving man and you know in Southeast Asia, but your neighbor is also you know your depressed you know your depressed cousin right. who keeps calling you you know, um, and that's I think that's one of Madeline Delbarre's kind of key insights.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that you know we 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 tend to think. Well, I, uh, we all want to kind of live where uh, maybe your neighbors uh, <laughs> vote the same way you do, or think the same yep. way you do, or or whatever it is, you know. And and you go, yeah, but there's there's no there's no conversion going on, you know. There's no you're just uh, slapping each other's back and agreeing on, uh, all the time. And uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, more fun to spend Friday night having pizza and a drink with somebody you're having fun with, uh, instead of arguing with, <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you don't make any progress in the world that way, but it's yeah. kind of brave. What she did It's more than kind of brave.
0: I think it's, I think it's incredibly brave. Yeah. I mean, and she actually, uh, she, it's brave. Um, and, but she also, what's interesting about her approach, one of the many interesting things is that she, um, she went to this town of Ivray, uh, this communist town, um, probably to become a social worker, because that was her, that was her trade, you know, um, and she wanted to help, she wanted to kind of help orphans, help kids to find, you know, schools and, you know, uh, you know, help women who were being, who were, who were being abused and things like that, These are just sort of inherently good things, um, but anyway, so she, she wanted to go to uh, not only to help, but to see the goodness that was already there. And that's that's another that's another theme that pops up over and over again: is that we not only need to evangelize, but we ourselves need to be evangelized.
1: Right. All the right. Time. Right.
0: And uh, you know we can get very arrogant, like oh, like I am the possessor of the truth. I need to pass. You know, I need to pass on this perfect truth that I have received. And, yeah, you have received the truth, but we need to have the humility to know, like, but I haven't received it perfectly. You know, I need to be hearing the truth over and over again. I, we need to have the humility to say, I am weak, I'm a sinner, and we need to be refreshed over and over again. And Madeline Delbrell, she would do that. Well, she was adamant about prayer, you know, daily prayer, uh, and the recourse to the Gospels, and daily Mass, too. That was very important for her, the Eucharist. But also, seeing, seeing loving your neighbor— Means seeing the good in them, even if they're, you know, even if they're totally atheists, even if they're totally against the church, or they're, you know, they're trans or whatever. They're made in the image of God. You know, no matter oh, how yeah. distorted it's become, mm-hmm. they're made in the image of God. And so there is truth. There's beauty. There's goodness. There's love there. And Madeline's mission, part of how Madeline fed her mission, was by seeing it. You know, recognizing that and affirming the good. You know, rather than rather than trying to, she says, rather than trying to throw away the chaff. Mm-hmm. focusing on the wheat because you never you know, when you when you tear up the ch- you know when you when you tear up the weeds, you often throw out the wheat too so she says focus on the wheat
1: rather than on the weeds wow yeah it, you know it, oh, wow, it, it it's just so so amazing to think of how how but she and then she's able to to uh, put it into to such beautiful words and such yeah. meaningful um you know the the one thing. She it reminds me a little bit of Eddie Hillison and her story. Uh, she, I, I don't know oh, if you, yeah. uh, we had a yeah I, years ago. I read about Eddie. Yeah, yeah and and we have a, a priest in, in our diocese, Monsignor uh, Jim Murphy, actually uh, uh, published a book, and I I don't think it was Ignatius, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, about about her life within the last couple of years, and I I had not heard of her. Uh, you know, she'd been in the concentration camp. It was the same thing. She would see the blackbirds or the blue jays or whatever flying outside the barbed wire, or see the tree blossoming. You know, just all these things, and 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 just spectacularly saying how much she knew God inside the walls. You know, it was just uh, it's stuff that's. It reminded me of of, of Madeline saying. Saying, you know, here we on this street, uh, where we are, this is where we This is where God wants us, you know. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, Maximilian Colby and uh, th- those stories, you know, they just where people uh, take their circumstances and <laughs> make wonders out of it.
0: Yes, and uh, I mean, Madeline has this little poem. It's very short. It's uh, in the middle of the book. That uh, we have here is called Make Us Live Our Life. And um, I'll just read it real quick it's very yeah. short. Um, just, and this is addressed to God, obviously. Make us live our life not as a game of chess in which everything is calculated, not as a game of sport in which everything is difficult, not as a problem that racks our brain, not as a debt to pay, but as a party, as a ball, as a dance, in the arms of your grace. In the universal music of love, Lord, come and invite us. Mm. And I, uh, this is—that's such a classic, Madeline. For one, it's just—it's uh, just so crisp and brief. It just says so much in so few words. But uh, this emphasis on joy. The, the, how crucial it is. Yep. Christians be joyful, even on kind of like a basic level. She says Christians even when you go to, when we go to visit uh, when we go to visit. I don't know. It's a sick. We go to visit our, you know, like I said, talk about my, my depressed cousin earlier. Um, we go to visit someone. We need to bring we need to bring in the joy, you know, not just not just um, not just the truth, but the joyful truth, you know, and uh, and that can manifest itself in very simple ways, you know, like make a cup of coffee and just kind of you know telling a joke or something like that. To Madeline, that was actually these tiny little. Uh, these tiny little efforts to be joyful actually have eternal significance. You know, they have, uh, I mean, they, they please God immensely. You know, I, I love that because it gives me
1: an excuse to be happy. Yeah, and you know, you, you, you mentioning a minute ago about the, you know, the, they're made in the Im- image and likeness of God, and there are times when uh, we've all had people that we see, or uh, I don't want to use too strong words, but people you're having difficulty with. Um, yeah. And, and maybe not you don't even really know them you just have a they're honking at, they're honking at you in traffic or something and 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 i say to myself or uh, to my kids i say you know uh that person's made in the image and likeness of god god loves that person just as much as i love my own kids except in a much more perfect way um and it, sometimes it's hard to comprehend that you know and it, it it humbles you because you go well i'm just i'm lucky god loves me too but you, you, if you start looking at p- people as someone that uh, made in the image and likeness of god as a child of god it it really can make things much better uh in terms of how how you interact i one thing that really struck out to me the little bits of charity and and i li- i really like this book for um, the, the, the brevity of some of the ch- of, of all the chapters, but, but you know, they're, they're just uh, sn- snippets, if you will, where she says, uh, "Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and then the earth is there to inherit in order to be given to the Lord. Our explicit task, which takes different forms for each of us, ultimately consists only in delivering our lost bodies and souls to the charity of Christ. All the world needs, are little bits of charity, complete charity. It's a little bit like uh, the little way, you know. Uh, Do not think in that moment of indecision that you're wasting your time. Be a bit of love there where you are, and you will amount to more than a whole army of God's cause. Constantly breathe God in you through the imitation of of Christ, the gaze toward Christ, mortification in Christ. Even if we are not under concrete obedience, We are never excused from obedience to the great commandment to love one another, even as I have loved you. Surrendering to this love is, so to speak, to bring God to the flesh. It is to put him there where we are, in our social circle, our city, our country, the church. Oh, wow. Yet it's kind of summed up. <laughs> the the whole Bible there. <laughs> As I remember Pope Francis saying, I think it was at Rio at uh, at uh, World Youth Day a few years ago, saying, "Hey, uh, I know you guys are all busy and you don't have time to read anything." He says, "Read Matthew twenty-five and do it." <laughs> you know, like, wow, that's good. yeah, just do it. That's great. So,
0: yeah, the the uh, she so Madeline Albret loved, uh, yeah. loved Saint Therese, yeah and uh, the littleness of it uh, is, I mean, a book like this, which is like, if, for those who haven't seen it, it's, uh, it's made up of a bunch of little excerpts from across Madeline Dilborough's whole lifetime of writing. She wrote her whole life. I mean, she was a teenager. And uh, taken from across her whole lifespan. And they're just these little, often just a half-page excerpts. Yep. I would say three pages at the, at the absolute most. Uh, most of them it may be page Page, maybe two pages, uh, but some of them have very short. And that—that uh, is—that's actually—that's very fitting for Madeline Albrow because she um, she emphasized that a little bit, if done in a pure way, mm-hmm. is enough. The God—it's the mustard seed, you know. God can do—he can turn a mustard seed, a microscopic mustard seed, into a great tree, you know. He can do the infinite with the almost negligible, and um, she has the, that's true of prayer as well for from, from Natalie Delbrell, prayer and love go hand in hand, and um, she says in an essay called, uh, I have it written down here because I love this, yeah, it's called Anywhere We Are, God Is There Too, and uh, she says, she's talking about prayer as being this retreat to the desert, where we, where we go to be one-on-one mm-hmm. with God. You know, to talk to God as a as a friend and as a father. And she says the retreat to the desert can be five metro stops at the end of the day, or bus
1: stops.
0: and <laughs> we've spent all day digging digging a well toward those these free brief moments, these few brief moments. Um, in contrast, the same desert could be without retreat or without prayer if we put off our desire to meet the Lord. So, if we the point is that if we you know we're not taking the bus, but we're commuting, or maybe we're taking the bus or something that um, we're, we're driving and she's saying that prayer we don't necessarily have to uh, you know do a holy hour uh, in the morning if, if we can't do it because we have busy lay lives I mean I'm married myself I'm very busy at work all the time um, if we if we can't do it it doesn't that doesn't mean we can't pray if we can't give if we can't give an hour or two hours a day to prayer it doesn't mean that we can't have profoundly significant life-changing prayer. If we give that time, the little time we have, if we really give it to God, and yep. excitement too, knowing that he's going to be there and he's going to be giving us the grace, you know? And Madeline, she emphasizes that over and over again. Like She says life is filled with little pauses, and it's what we do with those little pauses that matters. Like am I going to pull, like I often do, am I going to pull out my phone, you know, and yep. just immediately check my email and then close it and then check my email again and then close it and then like look at my texts and then close them and then... And, you know, I'm like, a, I'm like a hamster on a, on a wheel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally pointless action. Or am I going to take that pause and just sort of like look up at the sky? Or maybe, you know, maybe pull up an app, pull up a, a, a verse of Scripture and meditate on God's profound love for, for me, which is the very meaning of my life, you know. And it, it can mean the difference between a terrible day and an absolutely amazing day. Just that one little moment off. God can just get in that little crack. You know, Mountain Del Burrell is all about these little pauses use
1: for God. Yeah, and uh, that's the one of the things that I I well, the main thing I really like about this book other than the the treasure of of knowledge and things that I haven't even thought of is that I can I can read this, I can walk out the door today onto the street and already do something that she says I should be doing. Exactly. You know, like exactly. maybe just smiling at somebody or or helping somebody across the street or whatever whatever it is you know um uh, that I could do it right now exactly. I can smile at my producer you know don't <laughs> <We'll> do that <laughs> that's uh, that's a little <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of going overboard but you know <laughs> but uh you know it's, well, yeah, it, it is it's it's, right. it's it's read this book and and walk out the door and and enjoy the day
0: no, you're absolutely right. That is—that's exactly what I love about it too. I mean, reading this book, I felt that my, for my life was just improving. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, I can actually do this. You know? Yes, and that's yeah. why people are so drawn to the little way too. You know, it's like, well, I can't, uh, like, I can't move to Algeria and, like, you know, and, uh, you know, live in the desert and fast for three years straight, and then, you know, and I can convert thousands of you know, thousands of Tuareg people to Catholicism. But uh, maybe I can. Like take out, you know, take out the trash. Yep. Of my wife and smile at. It, you
1: know? That's right.
0: Uh, maybe I can do that, and God is immensely pleased with that. You know? um, yeah, you're right. right. I, uh, that's one thing about Pope Francis. You know, obviously, you know, he gets a lot of he gets a lot of criticism for things, but one there's one aspect of his teaching that's extremely it's extremely helpful, and it's precisely this. I mean, the uh, you know, if you can't give if you can't give money to a man to, you know, a poor guy who's were changed on the sidewalk, um, you can definitely say hello to them, you know, and that's far more meaningful, than actually, than the money. You know, it's a personal bond. So.
1: so what else are you working on?
0: Let's see. So, good question. I am actually, we're actually putting out another book by Madeline Delbrell that I just sent to our copy editor, one of our copy editors. Uh, it's called The Holiness of Ordinary People. So it's very much in line with this and yeah. it's a longer yeah. book. Um, longer essays. Um, Madeline Dillberry often wrote very late at night, and uh, because she didn't have a lot of time during the day, so some of her essays are kind of rambling. You know, she's kind of like falling asleep. <laughs> <at the door.
1: laughs>
0: but so they're longer essays, sometimes they drift off, but they're uh, they're they're really dealing with these same themes and um, you know, what the gospel looks like in everyday life for specifically for lay people. Um And so I'm very excited about that book. Let's see, what else am I working on? I'm doing, uh, we have a book by Cardinal, oh, a, a book by Cardinal Robert from Seurat. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, he, he
0: did a tribute, he wrote a tribute to Pope Benedict, the late Pope Benedict. Mm-hmm. It was released right after his death he called it, He Gave Us So Much. And uh, that'll be coming out um, in about in
1: about two months. Oh, good. Sorry, uh, right so, now. yeah, you know, Benedict, I, I can remember. When when Benedict was was became pope and and uh, the uh, what what was it uh, um, the the Vatican's Rottweiler or some you know some yeah some, yeah, yeah God's Rottweiler yeah. God's Rottweiler and and there were you know there was all these descriptions and and et cetera, and and I remember uh, interviewing Cardinal Leveda and. He said everybody 's got it completely wrong. This guy is like your most special grandfather. He yeah. is so pastoral. he is so kind. he is so yeah. on and on and on and on and on and i, I mean, 'm I'm, I'm just a consumer you know I mean i, I don 't say you necessarily believe what you read, but but, but I, I, I had never met Cardinal Ratzinger. I only knew of, of what, he, what he was and what he was doing and um, had, had no real strong feelings one way or the other, other than obviously he's going to be my pope. Um, and I, was, I wasn't stunned by what Cardinal Levita said, but I was very pleased, you know, and he turned out to be right on the money. Yes.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that Cardinal Levita uh, thought that himself. I mean, Father Fessio,
1: my boss, uh, studied with, Cardinal Ratzinger, right, her, uh, right. Doctoral dissertation under Ratzinger. Yeah, we've, we've been lucky enough to have Father Fessio on to talk about that, and yeah. well,
0: and he, he, like you've heard him talk about. You've heard him talk about. I mean, he just he thinks. To him, I mean, he's sure the man was a saint. You know, he thinks that Cardinal Ratzinger was one of the great saints. In fact, in the 20th century, at least, a doctor of the Church. But he had this. He, he's uh, to, One of the things that. Strikes me about what Father Fessio says about Cardinal Ratzlaff about Pope Benedict is in class, you know, he would just sit there. Brilliant man, famously brilliant. But he would he would sit there and be a, a, a seminar style class where he would just go around and ask, like you know, Mister Fessio, what do you think about this? Okay, mm-hmm. like Mister Mister what do you think about this? And then he he would kind of put everybody in dialogue with one another, without saying much. He just sort of, kind of like he was like the conductor of the orchestra, you know. And then at the end, after like a two hour long class. He would he would have been listening carefully to everyone, and then at the end, he said like in just like one or two perfectly formed sentences, he would summarize all of the truth <laughs> that he has
1: much as a, a, a well-deserved reputation as an intellectual sometimes that's uh people don't think of intellectual as a good thing i do but but and i i have a lot of respect for people that you, you would call an intellectual but his writings were really very down to earth i mean yeah, not are. not all of them but most of them were very down to earth
0: yes i uh, that's what i that's one of the aspects of Ratzinger that i uh that's always drawn me in. I mean, he he tries to he explains the most complex subjects in in a way that that you can understand. You know, like within two within two pages, step by step, he's taken you from zero to
1: sixty. Yeah. On you
0: know? yep. a very difficult theological topic, and I've read you know I've because of my job, I read a lot of theology. And, you know, I'll read like whole books on the theological subject and come up at the end and like. Like that was I guess that was fascinating, but I don't remember any of it. I don't know what happened you know? I don't know if I, know, I don't know if I know anything but with rap singer, I come out the other end of a Ratzinger singer book, and I feel like no, like this he uses these great images that just help sink the concept into your mind. And I come out the other end like, no, I feel like I actually understand this like he's really transmitted something to
1: me you know? yeah, yeah absolutely, and you know it's 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 interesting i know i mean i I understand completely about you know. Uh, the public schools and, and, and where they go and stuff. But I look at this book by, by Madeline Debrell and, and I'm going, you know, I know you could never, you could never hand them this book in the, in the public schools. And, and I understand that, uh, you know, I mean, I I always hear about prayer in public schools and nobody ever prevented me from saying a prayer before a math exam or uh, (laughs) being on the tennis court or whatever it was. Um, But I know I live in a school district where if we did have school prayer, the school board would not pick a prayer that I approved of, you know, yeah, of you know, and so I'd rather have no prayer than, than one that I don't like. And, but, but I just think whether you're an atheist or, a, a, you know, a, a devout Catholic or who you are or, or any denomination reading this book, would be a great thing for the individual reading. It would be a great thing for, for society, for the common good, for everything. No matter, you know, reading this book, it is so full of wisdom and treasure and and goodness and things that would make this a better world.
0: I I honestly agree. I uh, Of course,
1: I'm biased because I want people to buy the book. <laughs> yeah, right. I, right. I, 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 uh, I
0: fully agree and you can what's, you know, what's great about it is that you can pick it up for five, three minutes.
1: Right, right. You don't have to read the whole thing.
0: No, you can pick it up for three minutes at a time, and the little nuggets that you receive I mean, they, they will care, they can carry you through the day, the week. Even there's so much, there's there's so much going on. What's it's quality over quantity, you know? And uh, I I agree. I think that if <laughs> if if I could give, in fact, I actually did. I gave this book as a gift friend of mine recently, and because I just had this gut sense like this book more than any of any of the theological books that I could give her any kind of apologetical books, this book could make her fall in love with christ uh and you know and live that out in daily life more than
1: any other book that i that I know of right now yeah yeah and yeah, you know they they're they're uh we get a, a lot of books from you and from others and and uh Usually I, you know, I I give them away or we put them on our shelf. Uh, We're here at the pastoral center and we say, you know, help yourself. And, and uh, I've, I've read it or I've reviewed it at least. And this one I want to take home. You know, it's like, I'm so, my selfish self is saying, no, don't forget to take it home tonight. Show it to your (laughs) wife, show it to your kids, you know, and then I'm going, wait a minute. That's, that's. Uh, that's not in this book to take it home and be selfish, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm going to have to buy a hundred copies of it, <laughs> and, st- wow. and you know, it, <laughs> it it will actually fit in a Christmas stocking. That's right. It that's really right. it will fit perfectly. It's
0: tiny. I know. Yeah. It's tiny a Tiny little book. Yep, you can, you can, Let's see if it can fit in my pocket. I'm going to try. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Fit in, my back
1: pocket. It it's, right in my back pocket. Yeah, it's barely <laughs> it bigger than a, a bit, <laughs> barely bigger than a cell phone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, it'll fit in my back pocket too. <laughs> well, this this uh, Thomas, I am just thrilled to talk to you. I I'm so you know uh, I'm so glad that this book has uh, come into my life. And I hope our our, our, our readers' lives, I, I mean our listeners' lives as well, that our listeners will become readers. And it, it's uh, Madeline Delbrel. That's D E L B R E L. It's the title is The Dazzling Light of God. A Madeline Delbrel reader from Ignatius Press, uh, Ignatius.com, or uh, at your favorite Catholic bookstore. Uh, Thomas, I hope our pa- pass across again real soon. Me too. It was such a joy. Thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thanks so much. God bless uh, you and uh, everybody you work with and your family. And uh, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Peace, Bob. Thank you so much. Hey, yeah, thank you. That's uh, Thomas Jacoby, who is an, an editor at uh, Ignatius Press, and just share a little, a little bit more of uh, uh, the, from Madeline de the power of failure. This is a this is a whole chapter, and the chapter is. Three paragraphs. She writes, "We have difficult." She she lived, by the way, from 1904 to 1964. Saw a lot of a lot of change. Died just short of her uh, 60th birthday, and uh, just uh, saw obviously a lot of a lot of changes uh, between 1904 and 1964. Both both in the, you know just technology and things like that, but also in uh, uh, just the way we look at the world. She writes, We have difficulty believing in the power of failure. When it comes to the church, we easily gamble with her unity. We are full of tact so as to not break unity with unbelievers while we play lightly with the unity of Christians. We have a tendency to weigh the decisions of the church against the impression they will make in the world, not against the weight of truth. We rationalize the church, not understanding that her mystery living in the heart of the world must, one day or another, inevitably inevitably crush us between the world and itself, and that this is the only way to make us produce the acts of faith necessary for the salvation of those whom we love um, and then the, the the passion of of patience uh, some of these chapters and make us live our life uh, this is again a, a very a very very short chapter and, and you can you can pick these up, you can read them in a minute or two, and then uh, put it down and and go, go about your, your, your daily life. Make us live our life, not as a game of chess in which everything is calculated, not as a game of sport in which everything is difficult, not as a problem that racks our brain, not as a debt to pay, but as a party, as a ball, as a dance, in the arms of your grace, in the universal music of love, Lord, come and invite us. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. 4600 and we uh, are are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town Inside of me, I feel your spirit.